we are continuing a, a teaching series that we begun last week, uh, uh, exploring, hoping to understand and receive the kingship of Jesus. Because as we understand and receive Jesus as king, we receive the gift of God's love. Truly, we receive it in our lives. So it's, uh, I'm glad we'll be spending this epiphany uh, uh, exploring the kingship of Jesus. And today, in today's reading, uh, it's a special reading where we see Jesus calling a disciple. He calls Nathaniel. Today's uh, sermon's titled, The King Who Calls. That's what we're going to be looking at. That Jesus is not an indifferent king who stands at a distance, but Jesus is interested in each of our lives, and in fact, he's called us, each one of us. In fact, I'm persuaded and believe that God has called all human beings to come to him. And of course, it's up to us and the freedom that God has given us to respond to the calling of Jesus the King. Now, this is something that I want to spend some time looking at this because a response will show us how we actually perceive Jesus and how we receive him. And it's important to know how we do that. Because we see when he, Jesus calls Nathaniel, his response really is often all of our response. So there's Philip, and he's uh, witnessed Jesus. There's something about Jesus that's galvanized Philip. He's drawn to him. He's going to follow him. And then he comes to Nathaniel and says, hey, here's the one that Moses spoke about, the law spoke about. This is the guy we've been waiting for. Let's, let's go follow him. And then Nathaniel responds, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You see, Nazareth, that time, is kind of like the, kind of like a, a podunk place. Kind of like the, 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 the hick area for the hicks. The most uh, uncultured, the most uninteresting area in the region. Nothing, so that was, that was a saying, nothing good comes out of Nazareth, right? It's the kind of thing that if you moved to the big city, you wouldn't tell people where you were born or where you were raised. And so Nathaniel has that reaction, oh, Nazareth, does anything good come from that? And there Nathaniel shows his first objection. I hear you, Philip, telling me about Jesus, but I find your invitation to Jesus not credible because he's from Nazareth. In other words, uh, I'm prejudiced. I have no good reason. I just have a reason. It's a prejudiced reason, reason, and therefore I'm not interested in this Jesus. All right. Maybe none of us here has any strong opinions about Nazareth. That's 2,000 years ago. We don't have that. But I think it's very common and very easy to have reasons why we resist the kingship of Jesus that aren't, let's say, understandable, that they're not, in the end, uh, honest. Now, that's a very probing statement, but I want to see, I wanna, hopefully you hear what I'm saying. 
You see, some of us have questions or maybe even objections to Jesus that are understandable. Each one of us can have those. Not only are they, maybe they're analytic or academic. You know, some people genuinely wonder, how can I trust the Bible? It's been handled throughout history. How do I know this is truly God's word and not just uh, an institution that's trying to manipulate me through, quote-unquote, history, through the Bible? That could be an honest question. Or, often in our human experiences, we'll say, how can I trust in the goodness and love of God when there's so much obvious suffering in this world? Right? That can be honest. And I'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But there's also, I think, if we can admit that there are honest and understandable objections to Jesus, there are also some that are not honest and understandable. Sometimes we just have prejudices against Jesus, against Christianity, against the church. In our own hearts. Oh, I don't know. Because so-and-so... Offended me a couple years ago, and so all Christians are kind of like that. They're all offensive, and I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Or they just seem like a relic of the past, and I'm a modern person, and I vaguely trust science. And, and I think that Christianity may be anti-science. I don't know about that. And so we have prejudiced postures of the heart that prevent us from actually responding to the call. Jesus. Now that can be very clear. Some people, some of us might inhabit that place. And I'll leave it hanging for now. I want to talk about it at the end. But I want to go a little, a little deeper, a little more subtle. Some of us wouldn't say that out loud. We'll still come to church. You know, when I invite you to stand and sing, you'll stand and sing. And maybe you'll follow along the readings. But when you hear what Jesus says on any given Sunday, when Jesus issues a command or a proclamation, we will say something like, well, that's interesting advice. Yeah, I'll consider it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll think about it, Jesus. Thank you for that, for that suggestion. And we willingly misinterpret Jesus' commands as a suggestion or as advice because our hearts are such that we are not interested in Jesus as king we're interested in Jesus as a consultant and those are not the same thing even your closest friend or confidant you could come to them with an issue in your life. And you can even ask them for advice. Hey, bud, what do you think about this? I'm going through X, Y, Z. What do you suggest? And then your friend or confidant can say, well, since you've asked me, maybe you could do Y. You could do this. And then you can take the advice, you can hold it, and you can consider it, and you're like, well, maybe I will do this. Or you could also say, well, maybe I won't. That's your choice. That's fine. But we understand that when a king says something, it cannot be labeled as a suggestion. It's not handy advice. If a king speaks and you recognize their kingship, then what do you say? Well, you say what Jesus taught us to say. Thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. That's uncomfortable. 
Because to say, not my will, but thy will be done, I'm not the king, you're the king, is to say, fundamentally, I am not my own. As Christians, you'd have to say, I'm not my own, I'm bought with a price. My life is not my own, my life is yours, God. My life is yours, Jesus. I'm going to take my desires, my plans for my life, and I'm going to remove them from the center of my concern, and I'm going to take yours, the king, and I'm going to put it the center of mine, of my life. So now my life is going to be guided and dictated by what you say, Jesus, my king. And that is hostile to a life that, a human life that wants to keep its well-earned comforts and our little pleasures and our arrangement of our beliefs and our ethics the way we want it, it's hostile. Because you'd have to submit it all to the king. Well, here's what I believe and what I think, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, and I'll follow you. And because that's hostile, we don't like that, then we'll knee-jerk prejudice. Oh, no, 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 I, I can't. No, no, I don't trust the Bible because who knows if it's even history. Did that even happen? Ah. It's not an honest objection. It's really trying to protect and safeguard ourselves as being the center of the universe. The problem with that is Jesus is the king, and therefore he will not negotiate with you. He invites you to a relationship with him, a union with God, but it cannot be on our terms. It's on Jesus' terms. He's the king. And he will only be received as the king. Now, interestingly and wonderfully, though Nathaniel has his little ugh, prejudice, ugh, Nazareth, God bless Philip, right? Well, just come and see. And Nathaniel goes. And as Nathaniel's approaching, Jesus says of Nathaniel, there is an Israelite in which there is no deceit. Now that's an interesting statement. It's interesting because what does that mean exactly? But then when he says that, and then Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? And then Jesus, what did Jesus say? He says, before Philip found you, I saw you under the fig tree. And then after that little statement, which feels kind of cryptic, Right? What's going on here? Then Nathaniel responds to that, saying, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you're the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. It's, a, it's like a, a 180 turn from ugh, Nazareth to you are the King. That's what happens there. But how did that happen? Why? And I've been doing some readings I do often every week to try to prepare for when I share this morning. And I'll be honest with you, it's not clear. Commentators don't know what exactly is happening there. So Jesus, it's almost like a miracle happens. Jesus says to Nathaniel, there is an Israelite of which there is no deceit. This person is honest, is what he's saying. And it could go either way. Jesus could be speaking kind of ironically or kind of like tongue-in-cheek. Like, oh, there's an honest guy, but you know, when, when someone's not honest and you say that, you're trying to say the opposite. Ah, oh, there's Mr. Honest, because we all know he's not. You know, It doesn't come across often, but Jesus makes a lot of jokes in the Gospels. So he could be doing that. And then, of course, Daniel will be caught off guard. Wait, how do you know me? And then 
then Jesus would say, well, you, you're saying you're honest, but I saw you when you thought you were alone. I saw you under the fig tree. A kind of calling out in mixed company, but Nathaniel would know it's being called out. That's, that's one way you could read it, right? That's one. The other way you could read it is that Jesus wasn't making a joke. He was making an honest statement. Hey, it's Nathaniel. He's an incredibly honest person. And Nathaniel would say, hey, how do you, well, how do, how do we know each other? How do you know me? And, and then Jesus could say, oh, well, before Philip found you, I saw what went on under the, under the fig tree. Nice. Well done. You're an honest man. And then Nathaniel would know he was seen, even though he thought no one was seen. Two ways you could read that scene, and it's people are divided. How do we interpret this? I hesitate to make a call, but what I find most helpful when I offer you is this third possibility, that Jesus is doing both. You see, Jesus is the king. And we've said before, he's not aloof or indifferent. He is imminent, he's close, and he's interested in our lives. So his kingship is a relationship he's offering you. But no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you accept that invitation, two things will happen that will reveal to you that Jesus is who he says he is. One, Jesus will show to you, show to me the parts in our lives that aren't right parts of our lives that we're doing what's wrong and willfully doing what's wrong we think no one is seeing or noticing. Jesus the King does see that. Right? He knows us. And so, if you receive his invitation, I hope you do, because if you say you're a Christian, you're accepting his invitation, explaining to you what it looks like. Jesus the King, and our response to him will be to bring our lives to him in complete honesty and say, Jesus, you see everything. And I'm really sorry for the, the times that I've made mistakes, especially willfully. Though I'm sure I make mistakes and sin when I, I don't know, but there are times I do know. And I'm sorry about that. That's one. That's one part of the life of a follower of Jesus the King. The other one is, each one of us here, I think at some true level wants to do what's good and right in this world. And sometimes you do what's right and good and no one notices. Right? Often it's easy to put the, the, the magnifying glass on our mistakes, but sometimes you do what's good and no one said anything. And you can feel a little isolated, a little lonely. Right? There are plenty of people in this world who do wonderful work and they live and die and no one cares. Or the world quickly forgets. We love scandal. We love... Uh, you know, tabloid news. We don't really care when people do the right thing. It's just not, it doesn't sell papers. But Jesus the King cares. He sees that. He sees when you're struggling and you're hurting and then your friend talks to you and your friend brings up their problem, which isn't that big, and you think about it, and you're bleeding inside and you take time out of your pain, you don't say, you don't talk about what you're talking about, you listen to them and you help them with, their, with theirs. And no one knows that you just were on the cross for a moment holding on to your pain while you prepare for someone else. But you know who, who, who sees that? Jesus the King sees that. It doesn't go unmarked. It doesn't go unnoticed. 
And so a person who follows Jesus the King knows that. And there's a special comfort in that. In knowing that you're not ignored. That you're unwitnessed. Jesus is there. You see, those two things are actually comfort. Now, that one does feel like comfort. Oh, I'm noticed, even though I think no one's seen me. That's thank you. But repentance and saying I'm sorry, that doesn't feel like comfort. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not sure if you already, you may already know this, but in case you don't, if you've ever had to hold something for a long time, you had to hide something, pretend that it wasn't real, something that was wrong, you knew it was wrong, and then when you finally get to talk about it and say it, oh, it's such a release. Sometimes as embarrassing as awful as it is to admit the wrong thing you've done, sometimes it's just the thing you need. Get it out of your system. The truth is healing. The truth shall set you free. All that, that wonderful healing, the comfort is predicated on coming to Jesus, not as a counselor, not as a person who gives me advice, but as Jesus, the King, the only one who knows and can say what's ultimately wrong, what's ultimately right, and trusting in Him. As Jesus says, you're going to see the Son of Man, angels, up and down. In other words, Unlike any other teacher or person in this world, to come to me is to stand in the presence of the divine, of God. Everything you've ever wanted, hoped for, what all humanity has wanted and needed, that's me. And yeah, I'm from Nazareth. It doesn't look like much. Yeah, we're a small congregation this morning. It might not look like much. But you know what? I know everyone expects that the healing of the world and the best thing would happen in the halls of power and the halls of influence, Right? Caesar, Herod, and Jesus was born in a manger, unmarked, surrounded by nobody shepherds and little animals, smelly. Precisely the place where no one thought anything was happening is precisely the place where the salvation of the world was born. And so you might not think much of yourself or your life, or the time we share together. Sometimes it's tempting, like, what, what are we doing, really? And the whole world could look at us and be like, what is happening there, really? That's kind of a shame. They're just wasting their morning. They could have brunch or sleep in. But it's precisely in these moments, in the small moments of our lives, where we think no one's looking, that the attention and the presence of Jesus the King is right there. His attention, his love, so that means we're never alone. Our lives are infused with infinite need. We're being healed. We're being made whole. Our capacity to love is expanded. The world is being changed and transformed through you because you attend Jesus the King. My friends, I hope. Whatever I've said this morning, I really hope that you consider how you're approaching Jesus. I have to do it myself. Even as I'm saying this, I have to reevaluate. Jesus, am I taking your advice as, you know, my counselor, a little buddy, or am I attending you as my king? Because only as I come, as we come to Jesus the King, will his all his presence and his, what he wants for you to have will be unlocked. So I pray that you come to him in those terms. Amen. All right, let's let's, let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, God, we thank you. 
thank you that though often in our spiritual journeys and our pilgrimage, um, it's very easy to uh, forget who you are, to come to you uh, inadequately, not taking into full consideration that you are the king. And Lord, we thank you that though our approach to you can often be inadequate and our prayers are sufficient, you make them adequate. You make them sufficient out of your mercy and your grace. God, I, help, I pray for each one of us here. Help us to reconsider how we're coming to you. Help us to come to you in the way that you've invited us, you being the king, us following you. And that as we engage that relationship with you, that we might grow in life and love, not only just to enjoy it privately, but actually to share it with those around us. Help us in this, we pray. In the name of Jesus, the King.